0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Input Two. This is your host, Emily Rubin, and joining her again for like the millionth time is
1: Jeremy Rogers.
0: I just really like having you here, Jeremy.
1: Thanks, Emily. I like being here.
0: And can you tell me, Jeremy, what is special about today? and yesterday and the day before and a few days before that.
1: Well, for me, not much.
0: But for me, it's everything because it is Hanukkah, everybody. Yes, Hanukkah. I know you probably completely forgot it existed and that is it's really not okay. I'm not going to lie. Um <laughs> but Hanukkah's here and even if you're not Jewish, I highly recommend that you go out and buy some latkes because you will you'll just love it. They're like they're like french fries but amplified. Is that fair?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hockey puck shaped tater tot.
0: Yeah, but they're like soft and not Except really great.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's not even a Hanukkah food, but go have some Mots balls or something. I don't know. Really, really dig into that Jewish culture during Hanukkah. And speaking of Jewish culture, you know, I was thinking about all the Jewish films we could cover and I was very excited. And then I remembered, oh yeah, we only have like five. Yeah. Um, And no, I just want to highlight... Before anyone asks, we are not talking about Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Why is that, Jeremy?
1: Why is it? No, No, you tell me. Give us eight crazy reasons why.
0: Oh, man, I wonder if I can't actually. One, I don't like Adam Sandler. Two, I'm ashamed of Adam Adam Sandler. Three, Adam Sandler makes me sad. Four, Adam Sandler makes me mad. Five, Adam Sandler is not a good director. Uh, Six, is he even relevant anymore? Seven... I don't like that movie. Eight, that movie is disgusting, and it's really not worth talking about. And I didn't want to fund it. There's nine, because there are nine candles on the menorah. Whoa!
1: <laughs> That's a little Hanukkah fun fact.
0: <laughs> whoa, whoa, All right. So, what we are going to do today is I want to talk about a Hanukkah film and a not Hanukkah film. That is, it's still a Jewish film. Um, the Hanukkah film we're going to talk about is um, <laughs> The Hebrew Hammer.
1: <laughs> Gotta love The Hebrew Hammer.
0: Just let that silence soak in for a minute. Uh, the Hebrew Hammer. And then we're going to talk about a more traditional film, uh, Liberty Heights. Full disclosure, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, just a little preview. The Hebrew Hammer is what I would call a controversial film. Yeah? Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I could see how someone would watch it and think that it's controversial.
0: I mean, it's literally called The Hebrew Hammer. Well it kind of like it kind of gives you everything you need to know. It sounds like a South Park episode and
1: honestly that's kind of how it plays.
0: Yes, exactly. Um but speaking of the Hebrew Hammer, it was uh it was developed. It was directed by John Kesselman. So I mean I'm not going to comment on the last name. We all know that it's the Jewish person that made it. And when I was looking at John Kesselman to see what he's done, um, really, the only other notable thing is Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero, which I cannot even really tell you what it's about or anything, but it has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, I guess it did okay.
1: I guess.
0: (laughs) That's that's literally all he's done. Uh, The Hebrew Hammer came out in 2003 and on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Do you think this movie did well really quickly?
1: Uh, Critically. I hate hate to tell you, I've already looked. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I really liked it. it. I would have given it a definitely fresh review.
0: Well, it did not get an overall fresh review from critics. It has a 52%. And, well, the audience score is higher. It has a 64%. So, I mean, it's average at best. Fair? Yeah. Yeah, I I liked it. Um, I laughed a few times, but I'm not sure I'd call it anything special.
1: All right, all right. Let's think about this in relativistic terms. Of all the Christmas movies that are floating around out there, you've got maybe one or two that are actually any good. Yes. And the rest are good for a Christmas movie. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So is The Hebrew Hammer a good film? Not really, no. But is it good for a Hanukkah film? Yes. Emphatically, yes.
0: I'll give you that. But, I mean, we also only have, like, two. So it's not a very high bar. You can honestly just mention Hanukkah in a movie and it becomes like, yay, we have a Hanukkah movie. Well, anyway, let's get a bit into what this movie is, because even the premise is kind of hilarious. I think the premise is funnier than the actual movie. uh, And I like the movie. So it starts out (laughs) with, you know, it's a flashback of this little Jewish kid named Mordecai. And he's, you know, he's at his school and all the little kids are celebrating Christmas. And he has this little sad dreidel. And he's like, you know, he's being talked down to because he's Jewish. And everyone's like, ah, the weird Jew didn't get good presents for Hanukkah, which they and, call Chanukah.
1: Yeah. And the teacher gets up and she's like, now, class, we all have to respect Mordecai and his Chanukah. <laughs>
0: It's very cringy it's very obviously like a parody film from the get-go it gives you that South Park vibe but like we're making fun of everything and it makes fun of like the Jewish experience of growing up in a you know just secular Christian society with Christmas and everything but also uh, the stereotypes are everywhere for everybody um, if there's a minority group in this movie they're made fun of and yeah. I guess majority because you know Christmas yeah but anyway the, so Santa Claus he's made kind of this alliance with the the Jewish people and yeah, the black people the Kwanzaa
1: liberation front
0: yeah the people and um, everyone lives together kind of peacefully until Santa's evil son Damien <laughs> you know Damien from all the tales He kills Santa Claus, and he's like, we're going to get rid of Hanukkah. So Mordecai, now an adult, is the Hebrew hammer, and he is called upon to save Hanukkah. And that is the premise of the Hebrew hammer. It's very ridiculous. Like, he's dressed up as a pimp. He's walking around with all this, like, over-the-top Jewish symbolism. Like, there are stars of David everywhere, like, on his car, the little, uh, what do you call it? Uh,
1: license he's got the hood ornament yeah that's got the star of david his license plate's got a frame with stars of david he's got a hebrew flag on the hood
0: yeah it's it's very ridiculous and over the top um
1: instead of fuzzy dice he's got a set of fuzzy (laughs) dreadles
0: i would definitely drive the car he drives in the film i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah um this film is not for everybody um i want to fully disclose that it is completely valid to see this film and be offended Especially if you're Jewish, um, or if you're not, or if you're not, um, I my personal stance, uh, at least from the Jewish perspective, when they talk about Jews, that's the only thing I can talk to. Um, I think it's fine, especially since it's like it's making fun of everybody, but it comes from a place of like obvious understanding. Yeah, uh, it's not malicious. It's just it's like South Park you just kind of have to take it as it is if you can't get out of that mindset that is completely valid but if you turn your brain off and are like this is so dumb you're gonna have a good time one thing that I had a lot of trouble with and I talked to you a little bit about this after we watched it is there's just a lot of awkward like continuation of jokes Um, jokes don't just naturally end in this movie they just kind of keep going on and on how do you feel about that
1: Are you staring at me like like that? (laughs) Kind of like that silence, that uncomfortable feeling you get. We're just kind of trying to replicate that here. The jokes, they don't really land all that well, and then they just kind of keep on going.
0: Yeah, it's, and they'll like, they'll overkill a joke. Like the one that comes to mind is uh, Mordecai has a mother who has a cat that she won't put down. Uh, Like it's obviously ready to die, it can't move.
1: She babies it, literally.
0: And it like poops on her and she keeps bathing it. And it goes on for so long and it really wasn't funny in the first place. It's just kind of odd. There's a lot of examples like that throughout the film. And this would be a lot funnier if it knew, if it was a little snappier time-wise with its jokes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there is definitely a lot of laughs to have here, especially if you are Jewish. Uh, just like some of the language he uses. And like he'll be like, Shabbat Shalom. And like as his like you know like when he shoots somebody or something that's what i'll say it's just it's all very dumb it's the best way to put it
1: oh yeah it's very entertaining uh the entertainment uh the adam goldberg who plays mordecai jefferson carver or the hebrew <laughs> hammer uh his performance is hands down my favorite part of this film
0: yeah i have to agree he's definitely the standout character which is good because he is the standout character that's what he's written as
1: it's once we get into the, some of the side characters like Damien Claus, who's played by Andy Dick.
0: Okay, I. If you don't know who Andy Dick is, um, for our generation and like in terms of popularity, the film that you might know him from is (laughs) The Lion King 2. He was the voice for Scar's son. That's such a weird movie, but that's a tangent. We'll go on another day. His son, Nuka, he's the one that gets like, spoiler alert, he gets killed by the log later and it's so fun to watch him die.
1: (laughs) He's the one who just kind of looks like a mess like this scraggly
0: that's every character Andy Dick plays and it's the same in this movie sometimes it's kind of funny but it's just like if you've seen the annoying like jerky evil character that's like over the top and like slightly feminine I don't know how to put it just very strange portrayal
1: yeah kind of like an evil nerd
0: yeah that's the best way to put it he, you know, he literally has, like, two girls dressed in, like, Santa girl outfits, like, on both sides. Like, he's just a jerk. He's super racist. Like, he wants to get rid of Hanukkah. He doesn't like black people. He, we obviously all hate him. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of speaking to that a little bit. Something that I do admire about this film is that, it, while it does make fun of everybody... Um, there's a line that I feel it doesn't necessarily cross, especially when it's tackling religion. It doesn't outwardly make fun of Christianity. It doesn't at all, actually. But it does make fun of the season, like Santa Claus. It's not that they're going after Jesus. They're going after Santa.
1: Right. They're not talking about Christmas, the religious holiday. They're talking about Christmas, the commercial holiday.
0: Yes. Um, So I think that is something that needs to be mentioned, especially... The jokes definitely are controversial. But in terms of tackling Christianity, if you're concerned about that, that's not what this film is about. It's not about taking down the Christian establishment or anything. It's just, you know, evil Santa.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a different type of war on Christmas.
0: Yeah, it's like an actual literal war uh, with a Chris like with a Christmas head. That's awkward with Santa Claus, that you know, hires uh, Taiwanese children to work for free. So he doesn't hire them. He just makes them work for free.
1: Yeah, his elves start complaining that they're working in a sweatshop and they don't like it. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're right. This is a sweatshop. Yeah.
0: So here's the question for you. This is obviously a film that, like, you have to have that type of humor and you have to be able to kind of shut your brain off. Did it outwardly offend you? And can't, do you think... Is this something you'd recommend as a Hanukkah film?
1: Um, I think that in its depiction of Jewish people and of Christmas, I think this film does a lot very well. But I'd have to say that when they start getting into uh, black people and depictions of Kwanzaa, that's where the film kind of strays into this uncomfortable territory of ooh, I could tell there were definitely a lot of Jewish people working on this film, but were there anybody, was there anyone of color working on this film? Because it kind of reeks of a little bit of tone deafness.
0: I absolutely agree with you. There are a lot of moments, uh, specifically I'd say jokes, that land, um, that I think they're stereotypes, but they aren't coming, they're not, I don't think they're written by black people right
1: i'd I'd be very surprised if they were
0: uh whereas a lot of the jewish jokes you can obviously tell you know that's like oh this is just jewish jewish person saying it we're kind of making fun of ourselves it doesn't feel that way necessarily uh in regards to kwanzaa uh it's just very it's a little awkward
1: yeah it's definitely awkward in a lot of this also there's one asian character
0: Oh, yeah, I in forgot. the film,
1: and it's Mordecai's stepdad?
0: Yeah. Father? Um, Gosh, I don't remember. He's just kind of there. Like, literally, Um, there's a throwaway joke for, like, a minute, and it comes back later in the film, where they're at Mordecai's mom's house, and they just, she makes a passing comment about this man, and they pan over, and it's just this, I, I don't know, is he Chinese or uh, an Asian man that's just sitting there, And that's the joke, and it's just kind of like, okay.
1: The joke is that you don't expect this living Jewish stereotype to be romantically involved with an Asian guy who is not Jewish.
0: I didn't think it was particularly funny. It was just Spoiler alert. It wasn't. It was just kind of odd. That's that's the thing about this movie. There are a lot of those types of jokes that it's like point? (laughs) Question mark? I don't know. It's a little odd. So, what else do you have to say about this lovely little uh, Jewish endeavor of a film?
1: I mean, it's definitely a labor of love from a Jewish perspective. There's a lot of goodwill put in there. They, I don't know. I think it was cute. I liked, I liked it. It's very reminiscent of like a black exploitation film.
0: It is, yeah.
1: Uh, I can't wait for the sequel, The Hebrew <laughs> yeah. Hammer versus Hitler.
0: Oh dear. Yeah. So if that that should also give you another sense of like what these films uh comedically focus on. Um I also do want to throw out really quickly, this film looks like a B movie. Like the shots are pretty terrible, everything's purposefully really cheap. But that does add to the charm of it. Uh that's not an excuse, it looks awful. <laughs> you know, but um yeah. It really is just a B-movie to watch for once for laughs, maybe show your friends and then forget about it.
1: It's a good party film.
0: And honestly, you know, uh, we don't really have much for Hanukkah, so I thank you for giving me at least something.
1: <laughs> it's better than Eight Crazy Nights. It is a and... lot better than
0: Eight Crazy Nights. I can't stand that movie, but we're not going to talk about it. I refuse. So I'm going to segue here a little bit. We have another film that I want to talk about. And, again, this one isn't a Hanukkah film. It actually takes place around, uh, not Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. But there are some themes that I think are similar. And I want to talk about why this more mainstream film bothers me more than this outwardly, than the Hebrew Hama, which is way more outwardly offensive and is not made as well for certain. So this other film is Barry Levinson's... uh, Liberty Heights even I just it's hard for me to even say this movie I just I really hate it um this one I actually watched for the first time a few days ago in class and I just want to end it's one of those films with so many endings and it's every time you think it's going to fade to black it just keeps going (laughs) is that fair
1: yeah no it's not fair it's not fair to the audience
0: (laughs) now I just want to throw out that Barry Levinson is definitely a talented director. He definitely demonstrates good directing choices. I just personally don't like this film. He's also known for Quiz Show, Side by Side, and Diner. Um, And Rain Man. And Rain Man, which I recommend watching over this any day. I was really surprised after I looked up the critical response to Liberty Heights. I... I'm just baffled. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 87 critical rating, and it's 76%, uh, 76% audience score. I have not yet been able to find really any negative uh, reviews of this movie, and I just I don't get it. It is It looks nice, but that's about sort it. Sort of. It looks fine, but it's not...
1: I mean, it was made somewhat competently i mean they've got some good work on their sets and their props and their costuming but uh i'm not a fan of the editing I'm not a fan of the cinematography the it's narrative all just, is just awful land is all get out
0: so let's talk about what this film is about first off it takes place in baltimore in 1954 and obviously this takes place during you know when segregation like when Black students started going to white schools. There's a lot of racism, a lot of anti-Semitism. It's just not a really good time in America. Um, Not that it's really gotten that much better, but I digress. Anyway, that's about it. Like, honestly, it's just this Jewish family's experience living in that time. And it, it, it shows the experience of both the kids in the family and then the father. And it jumps around narratively between their perspectives. Um, And that's something that I see praised a lot, but I really don't think it's effectively done for me personally.
1: No, I mean, it could be well done maybe by someone else if they had engaging characters.
0: The problem for me is like you start getting into one subplot and then it jumps to a B-plot to the side and then within a few minutes it jumps back to another perspective so you don't really get a chance to flesh out any of the characters or really like explore what they're feeling or anything it's too choppy and usually it just interrupts the action that's developing
1: yeah basically we swap between three different perspectives we've got uh the kurtzman family so we switch between the father uh nate the older son, Van, and the younger son,
0: Ben, yeah, um, so there the dad owns like a burlesque theater,
1: yeah, and he also runs a gambling game,
0: yeah, and and then the two kids are just students, but at two different like stages, one's in like high school about to graduate, and the other one's in college, so you do kind of get a like diverse amount of like age perspectives. Um, at first the film kind of frames it as a growing up story, but it's not is what's so strange. And this is the entire framing of the film because it starts out in a, a flashback setting where, uh, which kid is it? Ben? Is it Ben? I yeah. Think, I think it's Ben. Uh, the youngest kid is writing in his journal about the summer and he's explaining his experiences and it starts with him as a kid and it like jumps forward to, you know, to now or that summer, I guess. Not that summer. It, it jumps
1: forward to the the 19.
0: <laughs> the 1954, yeah. And the end of the film closes, jumping back to his, him closing out his narration. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the story isn't solely his. There are two other characters that the movie is framed around. I don't get it.
1: I, I don't. There's so much about this film I don't get. So... The biggest consensus around a lot of the critics is they all praise it. You know how, like, that Spider-Man game that came out on PlayStation? Everyone was like, it makes you feel like you're Spider-Man. That's what everyone says about this film and being Jewish at the time. They're like, it really brings back that feeling, that nostalgia.
0: I guess. But here is, and obviously I'm Jewish, but I am not somebody that grew up in that time period. But watching this I don't really get that because it's more about the experience of these two teenage boys more so than them being Jewish first. There are some examples of anti-Semitism directed at them. This is mostly at the beginning of the film and this isn't really commented on too much later. Later it becomes about the relationship between the black student and this Jewish student. Uh, And then the other son is just dealing with, you know, some bland love story that really doesn't relate to anything and shouldn't be in the film. Um, so I I think if you're not, especially if you're not a male teenager or what, we're a male teenager, I can't really relate to it. I can definitely see how you relate to growing up being bullied for being Jewish. But overall, I, I think this might just be a case of like, you relate to that one instance very strongly and then you kind of perceive the film as like your experience, even though it largely isn't. Is that a fair assessment?
1: yeah uh the film is supposedly autobiographical to some extent and and by that
0: okay you know i'm sorry i highly doubt that when he that says autobiographical it's more than this guy was a jewish kid growing up because like the experiences that happened in this film and maybe he was interested in a girl (laughs) like but other than that like it's not. It really isn't. It's just a fictional story framed around maybe his experience being a Jew to some extent.
1: And you can tell it's framed through such rose-tinted glasses. Yep. You know, this kid is, like, infallibly smooth. Not in, like, an over-the-top, like, Ferris Bueller he's way. He's talking about
0: the youngest child, Ben. That's what. That's kind of who we're focusing on primarily. He's because he's kind of so like queer. the
1: main character of the film. Yes. He's, like, the director, the writer's Self-insert.
0: He's uh, the Bella Swan, Stephanie Meyer of this film.
1: Right, right. Like, uh, he goes over to this girl's house to go listen to comedy records, and her dad walks in on them, and he's upset that his daughter is, you know, is bringing a white boy home. And so he drives Ben home, and when he gets to his house, he refuses to leave the car because Frank Sinatra's on, and he says... You don't walk out on Sinatra.
0: So we this kid literally, like, it's the most awkward thing. They just stay in the car until the song ends. And I don't, it's not really funny, more so random. You know, I didn't find it funny, did you?
1: No, no, it's just really awkward. And you just feel this pang of sympathy for this man who's driving (laughs) this teenager home. (laughs) I won't leave
0: he's literally like can you please exit my vehicle and the kid doesn't get out what's the thing is like this joke could work but it, then earlier in the film they mentioned that like his friends wouldn't let him walk out on Frank Sinatra earlier but other than that like it doesn't relate to him at all it's just kind of there I don't get it yeah it, it's it's just an awkward little film the comedy really doesn't work for me at all. Um, I don't think I really laughed at all. There's also this really awkward scene where Ben comes down dressed as Adolf Hitler. For Halloween. And you have to keep in mind that he's in a Jewish family. So obviously his mom and grandmother are like, oh my gosh, you are not allowed to go out as Adolf Hitler. And the kid's like, well, then I'm just going to stay here and not undress. And that's it. That's literally it. They, They don't go anywhere with that. There's no... That's the... Joke and it just ends there and it goes to the older brother's perspective, and we don't hear anything else about that night ever again. Why was it in the film? I don't get it. Like, I'm honestly confused. Like, I'm not offended. I'm just confused.
1: I, I genuinely <laughs> don't know. It's, I mean, it's more engaging than the older brother's subplot, but okay. still.
0: All right. So, okay. Do, you know what? I'm too angry. You tell everybody about the subplot.
1: All right. So, Van goes to a Halloween party and he sees a cute. Blonde girl, a Gentile girl, (laughs) and he likes her. He thinks she's cute, so they flirt. He doesn't get her name, and then he leaves the party. And he spends the rest of the film tracking down every single person he knows who might know her, and asking, "Hey, there was this girl at this at the party. Do you know her name? She looked like Cinderella." and that's it. It's just him trying to hook up again.
0: It's really uncomfortable too. It it really borders on stalking. Um and it's not it, like there's some uh how do I put it? Towards the end of the film there's definitely some real uncomfortable uh moments regarding drinking and, you know.
1: <laughs> Was this produced by the Weinstein company?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Um well, I It wasn't. I just don't like. She's very clearly drunk, and he takes her to a motel, like excitedly. It's just not. It's gross. It's it's just gross. I don't. It's not a charming relationship. Uh, It's a doomed relationship. But we spend so much time on it. This subplot detracts from everything else in the film. It randomly just interrupts the younger brother's plot randomly. It interrupts the dad's plot.
1: Uh, both of their plots are much more exciting. The dad is running two illegal businesses.
0: I want to hear about that, you know.
1: the younger kid gets kidnapped and held at gunpoint. Oh, you yeah. You know, your typical <laughs> Jewish childhood.
0: You know, that's really after you're a bar or bat mitzvah everybody's kidnapped and a gun is held to your head. That's a little known fact about Judaism. Uh, we all have that experience. Mine was... Quite liberating, actually. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about that a little. And I actually want to backtrack a little before going into that because something that is similar for me in this film that is also an issue in The Hebrew Hammer is how Jewish characters relate to black characters.
1: What you mean to tell me in two films that are both written by uh, white... White Jewish men—they don't exactly have the most tactful way of portraying people of color.
0: That's not possible," she said sarcastically. Yes, um, I think this film actually makes me feel more uncomfortable, and that might be a bit shocking. Um, with the Hebrew hammer, I keep bringing up South Park, but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like the type of thing where it's like it says this horribly offensive stuff about different groups of people, and you just kind of become like numb to it, and you say in your mind, like, "Oh wow, that was." absolutely horrible
1: yeah they're trying to hit stereotypes and to play off of them and they make no bones about it they even make a stereotype joke
0: it actually feels less malicious to me than this film and this film is malicious isn't the right word it feels less offensive to me because here in this film there's really we're supposed to really resonate with the jewish Jewish characters and it's really not commented on and i think the framing is really uncomfortable
1: it's really telling because one of the first instances of anti-semitism that we see is a sign posted on a fence by a local pool that says no jews dogs or uh, blacks allowed in the pool and then the kids the three jewish boys walking by have a conversation about why they think that Jews were put before dogs. Yeah. And there's no mention of why black people were put at the bottom of the list. There's no discussion there whatsoever.
0: And, you know, the argument I can foresee people having is like, well, it's period piece. People were very racist. But here's the thing, like, that's not commented on in any way and the way that these characters are portrayed they're supposed to be like quote unquote the good guys the people that we you know you'd be friends with but they don't really ever grow you could argue that ben does slightly um but i don't think he does in a real meaningful way he's he still talks to his girlfriend who is black um i think her name is sylvia thank you sylvia um He still asks her questions like, do you know this black person? And she's even like, what, you think we all know each other or something? Like, he still says things like that that are just Like, he asks her at the
1: very end of the film, where are you going to school as they're in line to pick up their high school diplomas and walk across the stage? And she names a historically black college, and he goes, well, the schools are integrated now. Why would you go there? And she just goes, my mom went there her mom went there it's a tradition just because the school just because we can go to school with white people doesn't mean we all have to
0: yeah it's it's really uncomfortable but i think the part that makes me the most uncomfortable is the dad um so we've talked a little bit about him owning or running a a burlesque theater and a side hustle that's completely illegal um
1: both of which are
0: yes um So they have this ludicrous plan to make extra money. Jeremy, tell us about it.
1: So on top of the betting game, they add a little bonus money to incentivize people to bet more. And, you know, they expect people to bet, like, a nickel. They'd expect them to bump it up and do a dime. You know, maybe at most a dollar. But some guy comes around, and his name's Little Melvin, and he puts down $50, wins the bet and the bonus. And then these guys are on the hook. They gotta pay little Melvin $100,000 that they don't have.
0: Whoa, wow, kind of a dumb idea guys. (laughs) So little Melvin obviously is like, give me my money. And the dad is like, we don't have that money. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go bankrupt. Um. The the, so it's important to know little melvin is black and one of the first things he says to the dad is like don't Jew me out of my money and obviously the dad like winces and like the entire room gets really tense after that but you know what really gets me what the dad does try to rip this guy out of the money that he earned this is not It's not really talked about, uh, except for little Melvin, who consistently throughout the film is very fairly like, give me my money. And they keep trying to cheat him out of the money. Um, So you can't really like, it's just odd that they like validate the stereotype. It's just very strange to me. So eventually little Melvin is like, he sees... Ben had taken the dad's car to this concert, and he mistakenly thinks that it's not, that it's, you know, the dad and not the kids. So he's like, Well, we're gonna take the, we're gonna make him give us the car. So they wait, they find out it's the kids, and they're like, You know, we're just gonna kidnap the son, as you do. Um, And that entices, you know, the dad to come and actually give him the money. Obviously, kidnapping's wrong. But when it's very surreal how this all plays out, like it's really nonchalant like no one seems terribly worried about anything first off um yeah but that's also the thing like it's it's just it's uncomfortable because Ben gets into a like argument with little Melvin about like well the Jews were slaves we we were marginalized people like if it, it feels like a contest like
1: but the <laughs> weird thing is like for the movie's framing Little Melvin actually raises a good point in response. Yeah. Then he just goes like, "How long ago were you guys slaves?" Yes. And then they go, "About thirty five hundred years ago." And he goes, "Man, I'm talking about my grandpa used to be a slave. Don't talk to me about thirty five hundred years ago."
0: But they play it off like the way it's played off after that is really uncomfortable. It's just like, "Ha <laughs> but we're still on the same level." Like it's just, it's like this movie keeps highlighting Jewish experience at like. And it, like, how do I phrase it? It it highlights the Jewish experience by, like, diminishing and, like, just underplaying the, like, experiences of black people. And I don't really see why that has to be the case at all. It's just uncomfortable. And maybe I'm not phrasing that the exact way. I don't think it was necessarily intentional. I just think it wasn't well thought out at all. I think they were trying to be kind of funny about it, but it's not really a joke <laughs> when it's actually still happening.
1: Yeah, not a good joke.
0: No. Yeah. And then the, even with little Melvin later, towards the conclusion of the film, when he eventually, you know, he gets his money because he kidnapped the kid, um, he fail, the business fails because apparently he can't run it correctly.
1: And because, uh, you know... Because everyone's still super racist, all the white business owners don't want to do business with him. So he can't run the business.
0: What's kind of terrible about the situation is the Jewish dad is like, aha, I knew he'd fail. You are so dumb. Now give me 80%. So like, I mean, it's just, it's really, I hate how it's just like, this guy is treated throughout this film. He had very fair demands at the beginning he was cheated out of them He shouldn't have kidnapped anyone that that was way over the line um a touch yeah <laughs> just a touch but it, it why why it's so uncomfortable i don't understand like why that there's no way this happened in real life this is not autobiographical right like there's no way I don't know. I, if it was, then I, I don't understand how he didn't capture the fear that I would obviously be feeling if I was a child that was abducted. <laughs> Literally, everyone's just sitting there kind of annoyed. Like, uh, we just want to go home, even though, you know, we're being held at gunpoint by some person we don't know. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like,
1: they're just pretty chill about it. I mean, the worst expression anyone gets on their face is like, The look someone gets when they're waiting to get a shot at the doctor's office. (laughs) It's accurate. The dude's got a gun. He pulls back the hammer and he's pointing it directly at someone. And they just kind of look down and close their eyes and scrunch up their face a little bit. Like, that's the most affected anyone gets by anything.
0: Yeah. I don't like this movie. Neither do I. It doesn't. It probably doesn't sound like we've talked much about plot, but it's literally there. Really, isn't much of one. It's just these people's different experiences. Uh, Am I missing anything?
1: No, it's just a slice of life that got left out and went stale.
0: Yep. So here we come full circle. We've talked about both movies. Why? Why does this average? You know, like your typical slice of life film feel less genuine than the freaking Hebrew hammer over here.
1: I I genuinely don't know, it's kind of hard to put into words because Liberty Heights feels like it's trying to tell a truthful story in a truthful way, but it can't seem to find that genuine voice, whereas the Hebrew hammer tries to tell a very fictional story in a fictional way, But in doing so, it manages to get its point across in a little bit more of a genuine way.
0: For me, I just feel like the Hebrew Hammer knows what it wants to be. It knows it's not taking itself seriously. It knows it's for a niche audience. Whereas I feel like Liberty Heights is trying really hard to pander to nostalgia um, and in doing so, it, it kind of feels like it it doesn't try to have any real meaning to it. I cannot decipher a meaning to this film.
1: No, the entire reason that Liberty Heights exists is so that the uh, director could write about his childhood and turn that into a film. That's it. There was no great, there was no grand creative vision with, you know, the editing, the cinematography, the lighting, a lot of these filmmaking aspects just feel flat and boring.
0: Yep. I am I guarantee you I'm going to completely forget about this film in like a week.
1: I'm going to be real. I've had to have both like the IMDb page <laughs> and the Wikipedia page open for uh Liberty Heights because and I literally just got done watching it about like yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. And I still couldn't tell you most of what happens in this film.
0: Here's the thing. The Hebrew Hammer is so absurd and so ridiculous, I'm going to remember it.
1: I may even watch it again. It's free on Prime.
0: It is free on Prime, and I highly recommend it. It is an experience. Um, it's Hanukkah. It is actually a Hanukkah film. Uh, I recommend giving it a shot so you can always say you watch this really dumb movie. <laughs> I, I guarantee if you watch it at a party, you'll get some laughs. Yeah. So, just to kind of wrap up, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Um, let's make more Jewish films, and like the Hebrew Hammer makes fun of, they don't even have to be Hanukkah films because it's not even a high holiday.
0: Oh, you know, but you did just remind me, Hallmark is going to make some Hanukkah movies, like two of them. (laughs) They have, like, all this huge list of Christmas movies, and there are, like, two little Hanukkah movies in there for next year, of course.
1: Good. First we get Hallmark's... Then we get pure flicks.
0: So maybe next year there will be actually something to talk about because there. I am not exaggerating. There just are not that many good Hanukkah movies. The ones that I know of, they're hard to get access to. They're like Wham Chop. <laughs> that would be a good one to talk about. But yeah, it's just surreal. I am. This is a call to action for... Any Jewish person out there who wants to make movies, please do it. We don't have, we don't have much. We don't have much in the way of Hanukkah. We have a few specials, but we don't really have movies for the Hanukkah season. And Adam Sandler's A Crazy Nights is not a valid option. I'm sorry. It's a terrible movie. Please.
1: And from someone who's not Jewish, this is a similar call to action to the rest of you guys out there who are making films. Make way for Jewish people to make films about their own experiences. That'd be nice. You know, share the love, share the space, support them in what they do.
0: How about we just support everybody? You know, any any minority group, can we please have... Christmas movies are fabulous, but oh my gosh, there's so many. There are so many, guys.
1: We don't need any more.
0: Hallmark, please stop. Stop making movies at all. You're not very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to wrap this up here. My name is Emily Rubin, and over here we have...
1: Jeremy Rogers.
0: And once again, everybody, Happy Hanukkah. I wish you all the gimmel and gelt this holiday season. You can check all of our content out at bitebsu.com and the Ball State Daily. You should follow us at BiteBSU on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, YouTube for all the new content. We have a lot going up this holiday season, so please keep a lookout for any new content you might be interested in. Not that you must be interested in. <laughs> Don't mean to sound scary. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Input 2.